Welcome to another episode of the 40 Guard Lab Threat Intelligence Podcast. My name is Jonas. I'm based in Singapore, and I have my good friend Omar Lakhani with me again. Omar, how are you doing this week? Jonas, I'm wonderful. How are you doing? Doing good as well. But you know, Omar, when we look at cyberspace, there have been quite a, some activity when it comes to ransomware, to some destructive motivation attacks. And I would like to dig a little bit deeper regarding these kind of attacks, because last year we kind of made a prediction that things are getting more aggressive this year. And it seems like all the events are slowly starting to unfold. First topic, which I would like to elaborate a little bit further, is the Onyx Ransomware Group. What did you see so far about this specific threat actor? Yeah, so uh, we and you have talked about this a little bit offline, but this is interesting an interesting trend that we're starting to see. Just ransomware and uh, threat actors getting more and more aggressive. So the Onyx, um, Onyx group, the threat actor group, uh, right now they're making a little bit of noise because, uh, you know, when they're uh, encrypting your files or really destroying your files, there's no way of getting it back. So even when you are paying the ransom, um, there's no way of getting it back. We've always talked about this being a possibility. You know, when people ask us, hey, should we pay ransom? There's a lot of reasons why I personally, you know, uh, you know, say no, you shouldn't pay, pay ransom. But one of the reasons I say is you never know if you're really going to get your files back or not. And uh, the Onyx group is certainly not giving the files back. Now, I know we've talked about it. There could be some controversy on on like, hey, are they, did they just mess up on their ransomware? Did they mess up on their decryption keys? Is that the reason why they're not giving them back? But regardless, the end result is... Uh, you know, organizations are getting hit with malware, with ransomware, and their files are getting destroyed regardless of whether they pay or not. And it seems like people have tried to pay. Yeah, and I think one big reason why they don't get the files back is actually because part of the malware which they use to encrypt the system deletes all the files which are bigger than two megabytes. And these days, if you look at operating systems, almost every file is bigger than that, except maybe some config files. So... It's definitely a weird strategy from their point of view. And there are rumors whether they use a, 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 a buggy version of the ransomware builder. I think we have seen some similarities to Chaos Builder, which is known to have certain bugs in certain versions. So that might be a possibility. But then again, maybe it's also just because they don't really care whether the people um, are getting their files deleted or not. But I think the overall impact on the cybercrime group might also be affected with this because I think when we look back about ransomware groups, for them very often, even though they have very strong malicious intentions, it's still a reputation game because they know if they have a bad reputation, their victims will not pay. So one of these ransomware groups now making a lot of negative noise, not just because they are hacking victims, but also not even being capable of giving back the files which they blackmail people to pay first is um is definitely causing some some noise in in the ransomware groups between each other what is what is your take on that all right so jonas isn't it like almost hilarious that we're talking about a ransomware group or a threat actor that has a negative reputation or a bad reputation i know that's kind of funny so let's let's just back up and summarize what we're saying is right i mean we're so we're saying there's a a ransomware group or a threat actor that's uh sending out you know that's basically destroying files or anything above two two megs right so they're really essentially destroying all the files um even if you pay uh, you know you're not getting your 
your files back. Um, possibly they could be using a buggy version of, of uh, you know, the ransom code or the malware um, for, that they stole from someone else, right? Uh, because that, that chaos ransomware actually had a bug with the version that they're using. So we don't know if they're doing it on purpose or not. And not only that, we are seeing that trend in other ransomware groups as well. Like they're not the only ones that are, are being destructive. But like, like, but on the flip side, as you said, is one of the reasons that ransomware groups have been, or ransomware itself has been so successful is because generally the um, idea, or at least the, the thought process in the community is if you pay ransom, you do get your files back. So people really haven't been that you know, um, hesitant to pay, right? I mean, people are being pretty quick to pay overall, like these very, very large sums of money. We see ransoms going for millions and millions of dollars and people are paying because they are getting their files back. I think if people start thinking, hey, I might not get my files back, this not only changes like other threat actors, like they're like worried, hey, if I, you know, my my business is going to go down, but it also changes like a lot of other things, right? On how people might defend themselves against ransomware. So I think other other threat actors are not happy with the Onyx group because it's going to make business like much more difficult for them. Definitely. And we have seen in the past what can happen when these groups are not happy with each other when it comes to doxing, when it comes to revealing certain kind of information from each other to create or harm um, their, each other's businesses. But, you know, I had this shower thought because when I was thinking about Onyx, Onyx, I was thinking about something triggered inside me. And I remembered when I was six years old, the first video game I've ever played was Pokemon. And for those <laughs> of you who played this game as well, one of the first gym leaders had a Pokemon called Onyx and it was so hard to beat. So I almost threw away my Game Boy playing it. So I had some destructive thoughts in my mind as well. So maybe it's it's all related, you know? You never know uh, where the motivation is coming from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I... Uh... Uh, I was, um, you know, thinking something else when they, uh, you know, I was like trying to figure out like, and I like would also read actors, hey, where are they getting the, their names from? But uh, I did not, uh, I did not put together the uh, the Pokemon uh, reference. So uh, that may be it. Uh, so that that is, that is funny and that is interesting. But, uh, but at the same time, you know, I, I worry like if this is going to cause like a, an internal war or like an underground war with threat actors, just because, you know, we still have a lot of threat actors that, it's a business for them. And that's all it is. It's financially motivated and they want to get their money as easy as possible. Well, we've seen disruptions happen in threat actor groups. We've seen a little bit of chaos like happen, like lapses we've talked about. I mean, you have talked about plenty of times where, you know, those own, uh, their own members got doxxed by other threat actors. I could see other things happening as well. And, you know, we don't want that instability with threat actors either. That, that, that could be a cause for concern for sure. Definitely. And and talking about destruction, there's another very big vulnerability, which was disclosed to the public just in the last 10 days, which was um, on a very popular load balancing system. And we were tracking a lot of telemetry data and saw a lot of volume attacks against this kind of vulnerability. But the most interesting part to me was when we looked at the threat actors exploiting these vulnerabilities, they were very often running destructive commands on the system as well, because it's based on Unix operating system. They run a command called rm-rf, which is pretty much deleting everything which is on the system itself, which is a little bit weird, right? Because usually if you think about it, threat actors, they kind of have a mission in mind and they have a, they want to monetize more often than not when it comes to their attacks. But this seems all sabotage related. And 
I think if in the past or in general, we can say 90% of organized crime is financially motivated, but seeing so much destructive motivations recently really causes uh, some confusion, in my opinion. Yeah, no, it, it it definitely does. I mean, first of all, um, you know, any any vendor that's out there that's protecting, you know, millions of, uh, you know, organizations or, uh, you know, you know, front loading millions of, uh, you know, websites, they're, they're always going to be a target, right? It doesn't matter who the vendor is. I do think in this case, uh, I, I appreciate the transparency. I appreciate, uh, you, you know, the the quick fixes and suggestions that the vendor has. So, so no problems there from that standpoint. But at the same time, um, every, uh, you know, you know, uh, you know, every vendor is going to be a target. We we know that we've seen that as well. But at, uh, but at the same time, like, how do you respond to that? And like, the idea once again is that you know, even a lot of organizations they're expecting to be attacked, and when they have, you know, and usually in their plan they have you know some sort of plan or some sort of threshold. Okay, this is when we pay our ransom. This is when we're going to like basically say you know it's more you know from a business standpoint, it's better for us to pay or better for us to engage cyber insurance or whatever that plan may be. There's always a business plan, right? And in this case, this is rewriting the book again, because just another example of attackers not only exploiting a system to get into a system that we've seen over and over again, but but the, but when they're getting into the system, they're destroying that data and not only destroying the data, but they're also making, uh, you know, backup sites or, uh, you know, failover much more difficult because that's normally what you do when you have like global data centers, right? You have automatic failover for DNS for global load balancing and this uh, and they're actually going in and changing configs to make that impossible as well as deleting data and destroying the data yeah definitely and additionally these devices are exposed to the internet because otherwise they wouldn't have uh, they couldn't deliver their purpose but what really is, is interesting to me or what I ask myself is I don't really see threat actors blackmailing their victims before taking their systems offline, because that's what I've seen in the past. So they blackmail them and tell them, hey, if you don't pay money, then we'll take your systems offline. They're just doing it now. So I'm really, really curious, what is the motivation behind that? Why would they do that to begin with? Is it just, just for fun or is it like proof of concept style? They want to test whether they're successful or what kind of impact it actually has. Um, honestly, I don't really know. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I think, uh, you know, with my experience, I've seen all sorts, right? I mean, I've seen definitely threat actors that have done like a mini attack and basically have said or threatened to like continue the attack or continue an attack on a much larger scale unless uh, un unless they get paid. I've seen that actors give no warning whatsoever. Um, so I think they're both out there. I mean, I think, you know, I think the, what I've heard and, you know, from my, um, you know, interactions with threat actors, the ones that give no warning are basically, you know, they don't want to tip their hand they want to be in the systems and they feel like they have the best shot in basically accomplishing their goals without any you know tipping their hand or giving the organization any chance to prepare um you know on the other hand uh i see uh threat actors that do give warning uh there's usually very little an organization can do because it usually has like a denial service component it may have uh you know um multiple uh uh, hijacking components, or they may already be in a system and already be in an organization through other malware. So I think you definitely have both, but um, but I think uh, I do see this kind of shift towards like no warning, like you said, and I've been seeing it for a few years now, and I think it's mostly because the threat actors feel like um, they uh, you know they have an upper hand by more surprise. Yeah, definitely. But I think it's important we keep monitoring what's happening from a motivation point of view because that's in the end how 
actors put together their attacks and their strategies and their techniques. So for us on the defensive side, it's important to be aware about what's happening when it comes to threat actors' motivations. But um, yeah, it was good to talk to you more. I hope we can have another one soon and have a little bit more meat on the bone when it comes to the motivation from these threat actors. Maybe we figure out um, more in the near future. Sounds good. Sounds perfect, man. I can't wait for our next discussion. Thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in again. And we hear you in two weeks. Take care.